Welcome back everyone to Aspire to Lead, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua Double underscore Stamper. Aspire listeners, I have a guest with me that I met at Teach Better 22. I just happened to run into him. And he's got a pretty cool story about the conference. I, I just assumed he was a presenter because he's an EduMatch author, has an awesome book, Strive for Happiness in Education. And I have the wonderful Robert Dunlop with me. How are you doing, Robert? Oh, man. So excited to be here. Yeah, we had a great conversation at the conference, and I'm just glad we can continue it here. Well, I want to hear a little bit about your story about going to Teach Better 22, because I think a lot of people assume that you're a speaker and you're presenting at the conference, but that wasn't the the case. So what was up? No, no. It was one of those things. I actually uh, had a speaking engagement I was supposed to go to the week before. And I was kind of trying to focus on that. I was seeing all this teach better stuff. And I was seeing all these people I had like met through different avenues in my, like my, my, my authorship and my, my edge match. And, and just, I, I'd done some teach better blog posts. So I was like, man, I really want to go there when I go there. And then the speaking engagement fell through the week before. Oh my. So I go to my wife, my wife's like, that's awesome. At least we have some more time. And I was like, but <laughs> I was like, I really want to go to this teach better thing. And she's like, are you presenting? And I was like, no. And she's like, what are you going to do? And I was like, I'm just, I just got to get there. I said, I just want to meet some of the people, uh, Suzanne Daly, who yeah. I've become really great friends with. I knew she was going down. So then I literally just, I just worked it out and I just jumped in my car and drove down there. And uh, it was so worth it. It was <laughs> so inspiring. Everything about it from the venue to like the people you're meeting to podcast row. There's just so much to do and so many people to talk to. The only thing was, is like, you felt like you wanted to be in 10 spots at one time because yeah. there were so many great sessions and so many great speakers. And I was so happy I went and, and I get to meet people like you and so many other, like so many other podcasters. I don't know how many of these I'm doing right now. <laughs> I think I've got like five in the next month. So, but anytime you get a chance when you're passionate about something, anytime you get a chance to talk to it and people give you like a little bit of airtime on that, you take it every time you can get it because it's all about spreading your message, right? For sure. And you have such a, a wonderful message. And I think it's so relevant and I'm super excited about the conversation as far as just wellness in general, as far as, you know, as an educator and we'll dive into that in just a little bit. But before we, we jump into the conversation about your book and, and that topic, I'd love to learn a little bit about you and your education on leadership journey. Yeah, you know, I love being in the classroom. I, I taught generally like grade eight, so 13 year olds for the majority of my career. And then it just started to get to that point. I was actually struggling, you know, I think we'll talk about it a bit, but the peaks and valleys. And I was having some struggles in terms of, you know, where I was really worried about staying engaged in the classroom. And so then this role popped up, which was like, like technology resource teacher. And then, so I jumped on that because I love technology. And then that led into being a technology consultant, which is now I actually just got assessment and evaluation in my portfolio. It uh, grew substantially this year. Through that uh, journey, I think the, the neatest part about being in a central position, and our board's got about like 30,000 students, is you get like different perspective on the whole board, the system approach. And you can see things that, you know, when sometimes when you're in a classroom, you're, you're not privy to. And you, and so that's where like, to be honest, when I started 
struggling and I, I was in I ended up in this like central position and and I was I'm very analytical so I was observing people and seeing what makes people happy what, how do people stay motivated and that became part of my focus and, and what I was doing every day not only just like in terms of my own understanding of that but also like it, I, I really felt like as as a leader within like what I was doing with technology I found that the more I learned about people and the more I learned about what made them tick and what made them excited and what brought joy to them the better I could I could get them you know to partake in learning and PD and all this things so I'm super grateful for that you know kind of high level position and now I'm at the point now where I'm like you know I've done this for quite a while I think I'm 10 years in and now I'm like now what's next right is it is it going into like administration and becoming a principal or is it going back into the classroom and just applying that knowledge and and leading students and and leading a school from the inside I think would be interesting too so I'm just at this uh, crossroads right now that I'm thinking about but both options I think are amazing as long as like my whole why is I just want to have an impact on the system so I find the classroom very fulfilling because it's like you can feel it like you can feel it happening whereas sometimes in a system it happens really slow and it's not as gratifying but I think also that you know you can have a huge impact with a lot of people in front of you so yeah I'm just trying to weigh that out right now no I love it and I've always been told that classroom is like a speedboat and, and like a district is like a, a cruise ship, right? I mean, the, the larger the boat, the harder it is to steer. So, yeah. you know, I think uh, in a district role, it, it is a system that, you know, you might not see the growth of something for years in comparison to a classroom might be immediate. For sure. And I often think of like, I don't know, it sounds a little selfish, but I often think of like, what, what do I want my legacy to be in education, right? Yeah. And I, I think what I want it to be is just to be someone that really helped teachers find more joy in what they're going to do, right? Mm -hmm. and then, but then I also think the other legacy is I miss... I miss going to graduations and I miss bumping into kids in the mall. And I miss, it's really selfish. I don't want to go back just because I really used to love all those moments. Yeah. Like we, Halloween just passed and, you know, we had a lot of fun in the office and that's fun, but like just being with those kids on those days, we used to make these movies. We'd come in and I would look at all the kids in their costumes. And from the start of the day to the end of the day, we would write a script and produce a movie based on the costumes we had in the classroom. And it nice. was, it was super tiring, but it was super engaging and fun. So mm -hmm. I kind of look at that kind of stuff and think like, yeah, it'd be nice to, I got about nine, 10 years left. So I just got to figure out what that looks like. That's but awesome. uh, yeah, both great options. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You can't go wrong either way, right? It's all about making <laughs> exactly. the impact, like you said. And I think that's a, a perfect why. So let's dive into some of the research and things that you've had experience with. Obviously in your role now, you were looking at, you know, as far as teachers motivation and wellness, like what were some things that you found out within your experience to figure out like what's going to impact the culture of the district to make sure that everybody is, you know, finding their happiness? Yeah, and it's interesting that we talk about motivation because if I'm being honest, I'd ran into a real tough situation in one of my schools and I was ready to shut down. I was ready, like I was just at that point where I was just I had a lot going on in my personal life. My wife was pregnant and she was sick the whole pregnancy and I wasn't sleeping much and there was stuff going on in the building I was in. And I remember being like, I don't know how much longer I can do this. 
And so I remember getting this really sick feeling of like, when I was feeling like I was shutting down saying like, that's not why I came in education. I didn't come in here to shut down. Before education, I was a personal trainer for a millionaire around the world. I used to just travel all the time. I worked out two hours a day with this guy. So I left a really crazy job to come in education with the idea that I wanted to change the world and not make some guys muscles bigger, right? So um, <laughs> when I jumped into this, I swore that's what I was going to do. And I found myself 11, 12 years in being looking at the idea of just shutting it down and just counting my days to retirement. And that made me feel sick. And so I remember fixing things up and my principal was amazing. And he's like, I'll give you some leadership roles and things like that. At that moment, I thought, well, I need to, I need to figure out how to stay motivated. That was my big thing. I was like, I was reading Drive by Daniel Pink. I was, I was, I was everything, everything was motivation. And the craziest thing happened. And I actually wrote a book on, it was called Start Strong, Finish Strong. I never published it. It's just sitting on the shelf over there. And it was a guide to staying motivated in education. So I finished this book. And then it was so crazy that I, I started to, at that time, as I was reading, I pivoted at one point. And I realized right near the end of the completion of this book that I shouldn't have wrote it on motivation. It wasn't that I was, I was overly worried about being motivated. It wasn't the, the thing. I realized that it was about enjoying work, finding joy in what I was doing, loving going to school every day, being happy. That is what I wanted. And, you know, the motivation just one. If you have that, if you really love what you're doing, the motivation comes, the creativity comes, the work ethic comes, the being open stance to learn. It comes, all this stuff comes when you're excited and happy to be there. And so, yeah, and, and I realized that one day when I went, I, I always tell this story where this Wendy Blinsky story where this lady uh, emails me and says, Rob, I want to work with you. And I was like, and it was like full of like exclamation marks and emoji emojis. And I'm like, and so I don't know who this is. So I'm picturing some like straight out of teacher's college, ready to change the world. And uh, I go into the school and I walk into this room and I say to this lady, hey, do you know where Wendy Belinsky is? And she turns around and she's like, I'm Wendy. And in my mind, I'm like, you're not Wendy. Like, you're like, I don't know how old, but you're definitely near retirement. <laughs> and, and, and she bounced over there and her passion, her love of the curriculum, her love of kids, everything she did was just so full of happiness and joy and passion. And I remember, I remember leaving that session with her and pulling out of this like parking lot. And I remember taking my hand off the steering wheel, pointing it down and saying that, that's it. That's what I want to be. Now I got to figure out how to get there. I want to be that fulfilled in education. At She was 28 years in at that time. And, and since then, we've become impeccable friends. And it was then I started to really gravitate and say, and, and I, I was really, um, I was probably maybe a little too aggressive. Like I was talking to everybody. If you were happy and older and teaching, I was coming at you and we were having coffees or we were, I was trying to get into their heads of like, what is it that keeps you like this? How do you maintain this longevity in a very challenging profession? And uh, yeah, and, and so a lot of um, the book was started 
was based on ideas like that of like, how do we do this? What makes other people happy? So I started presenting at conferences and workshops. And I was really just looking to talk to as many people as I possibly could. Little did I know I should have just had a podcast, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I was going all over the place. And then, uh, so that was kind of like my research phase. And then I just got really into positive psychology, um, reading about happiness or joy or whatever you want to call it, and just immersing myself in it with no no plans of writing a book. That was zero on the list. I had no, I was, I was, this was self-therapy 101 at this point. This wasn't trying to help other people. This was trying to help myself. And then at a certain point, I would, when I was presenting on it, trying to grab some data off people, people are like, you need to start sharing this with people. Like you're, you're getting, you're onto something. Right. And then uh, my friends talked me into writing, writing the book that I eventually published. And uh, it took me four years, but I, I feel like there's a lot of wisdom in that book. And it's not just my story. It's because I feel like I had a lot of conversations with a lot of educators who went through a lot of things. And yeah, I think that's what I surrounded the book about. You talked about peaks and valleys. I know at the start of the year, a lot of folks have shared that they feel like they're in a valley right now. I'm curious, like for those folks that are listening, you obviously found an outlet of writing and speaking to people and that kind of helped you get out of that valley. But do you have some other tactics that our listeners could potentially use to find their happiness in the workplace? Yeah, I think it's 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 a lot about perspective too, right? It's not just like you can do things like practice, do little changes and stuff like that. But I, I I sometimes think it's a lot to do with perspective. One of my favorite books of all time, I probably read it four times a year, is Peaks and Valleys by Spencer Johnston. He wrote Who Moved My Cheese, which sold like 38 million copies or yeah. something. The guy's a great writer. It took him 20 years to write this book. And when they said, well, why did it take so long? He said, because I was living it. Mm-hmm. But that book is, I believe, should be the book of the pandemic. I really do. It, it's he writes this fable about this guy who basically wants to get onto this peak and ends up in the valley. And you know, it he's got his life is full of these peaks and valleys. And one of the things that really resonated with me is is the understanding that peaks and valleys are natural. And like we're going to be in, we're going to have peaks and we're going to have valleys. And when you understand that and have that perspective, you know that you're going to get out of the valley. Right. And you know that you're going to get back onto a peak. And then when you're on the peak, it's like even in my I'm a weird guy. um, I get all my ideas in the shower. So I have like a whiteboard in my shower. And um, and when my book came out, just to give you an idea, I wrote in my whiteboard, savor the peak. Like, how, how do you how do you just enjoy this peak? And knowing that there will be other valleys. Right. It's not like I don't want to give I, I believe like it's 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 all about authenticity when you talk to someone. And, and I, I believe that you can't say to people, no, if you do this, this, and this, you're just going to be like peak bill for the rest of your life. And even in the book, he talks about the importance of being in the valleys and what you learn, the humility. I like this one part. Cause when I said, when I was talking, I also wrote one time I wrote manage the peak because he talked about, you know, sometimes we do all these amazing things to get out of the valley, right? We, 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 we do our gratitude. We do, we treat people we surround ourselves with the right people and then we get to out of the out of the valley to the peak and then a lot of times we stop doing those things so maybe we're exercising maybe we're doing these things right and then when we get there we kind of go oh i can just relax and 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 glide a little or whatever or whatever we we get a different position and we change our the way we're treating people or whatever and then we end up back in that valley so for me it's more about the perspective of like being like when you're in the valley, being willing to change and look for different avenues out of the valley. I like one of the biggest 
issues I had at one point in my career was that I wasn't that that willing to change. I almost like when I had my first real confrontation with admin is that they wanted to change something in my schedule. And I just wasn't okay with that. And now I, I believe that you know, when, if I'm constantly reflecting on, am I happy in this profession? Am I happy what I'm doing? And if I'm not, I need to change something. I just can't continually go down that same road that I'm going on. And you know what, if I can't change what I'm doing, then maybe I've got to change my perspective and how I see things. One of the, one of the things that has helped me the most was in a book called Before Happiness by Sean Acor. He talks about how successful, happy people see multiple realities of the same situation. And that, that was blowing my mind. Cause at one point I thought my reality was my boss hated me. I hated her. We hated everything. And I was just done. Right. But <laughs> yep. when, when, and I, I went through a really tough point at this time. And then I remember reading that and waking up the next morning and looking out the window, my eyes filled with tears and it was like of gratitude. And for three months straight after something had happened, I couldn't see any of the relationships I built, the impact that I was having. I was just so hyper-focused on this really negative reality that I was that I created and that I perpetuated. And I think we often can write our narrative, own narratives of things that are happening. Yep. And in reality, if, if we were, if I was to really be honest with that, as like a lot of that was just the way I was handling it. Mm -hmm. So when I woke up that morning, I was like, man, the positive reality is this. I am having an impact. I am surrounding myself with amazing people. I am doing something that I feel talented and I feel like I love what I'm doing. And just shifting that over was what ended up getting me out of the that that valley that time. So I think it has a lot to do with the perspective and the way you see the world. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. You want to so, hear my, my latest weird thought? Please. It's super strange. You ready for it? I love so, strange. It happened actually at Teach Better and it happened like like twice because my wife ran a marathon as a Teach Better and we go to a hotel and I walk into this hotel. It's all about perspective. And I'm like, oh my God, this, this hotel is amazing. Like, look at, I got a couch in my bedroom and like all this stuff. And I was like, and it's, it's expectations, right? It's, yeah. it's your expectation of a hotel room, but I live in a very small, humble house. It's like 1100 square feet or whatever. And, you know, I, sometimes I feel like, oh, my house is so small, but why do I go to a hotel? And because my expectations are like less, I go in there and I feel so much gratitude. And I text my friends. I was like, this is amazing. You should <laughs> see there's like this, it's got a toilet in it and all this stuff. And so sometimes I think like, uh, I heard this saying by uh, Tony Robbins once, he says, we need to replace expectations with appreciation. Yep. And I think a lot of the times, you know, sometimes what gets me in trouble is I have these expectations, whether it be of leaders within the system, whether it be of expectations within my job or whatever. And, you know, I get too focused on that and not focused enough on appreciating what I do have and, and all the great things in my job. So for me, it's not so much like here, you can try this or try this. It's like, it's like a shift in thinking, right? And that, that takes a lot of self-reflection and that takes a lot of ownership over what it is you do. The statistics actually uh, in this book, The How of Happiness said that it says that 50% of our happiness is determined by genetics. So if you have crazy parents, you're like, oh, damn, that sucks. <laughs> but they say that only 10% of our happiness is determined by circumstance. Hmm. 
And it seems really low when you think of it. You're like, well, yeah. wow, like that seems super low. Cause like some, you know, you get an administrator, you get something happen or a parent coming at you. It feels like more than 10%. But what the study says is that 40% is determined by our choices we make. And, you know, when I look back and, and own some of the issues that I've, I've, I've had with education, it's that it's not what happened. It's every decision I made after what happened, right. which created the problem, manifested it into an even bigger issue. I'm, I'm taking yes. notes because I love that 40% is, is based on our decisions. So I think it's so true and probably something we never even think about, right? We, it's all about what, are, what have people done to me versus what have I done to myself? Yeah. And I love that saying, I heard it actually at the conference. I think Mickey Smith Jr. said, when you're pointing at someone, you got one point finger pointing at them and three pointing back. And, yeah. and I, I have to be honest with you. And I say, that's a lot, that's a lot of, you know, me sometimes yeah. I, I find like, it's hard sometimes to just own that you're part of the problem. Mm -hmm. And I really, it's a tough thing, right? Because I believe like I wrote my book, because I want to empower teachers to take control over their own happiness, right? I, I believe like a lot of this can happen. And I believe it happens through like when we talk about those tactics, routines, gratitude, like social, like all these pieces, you know, like wellness, all that bringing it in is, is, is a huge piece of it. But the other part of me knows is that leadership is a huge piece of this too, right? So this is where, this is where I, I don't want people to think like, you know, I remember um, a, a a board bought a whole whack of my books and then th something came out where the union was like, well, I don't know about this. Someone challenged it and said, well, he's putting everything on the teacher. And I was like, well, no, I'm just saying to the teacher, Hey, you got a lot of control over this. But I do think the leaders in the system also play that that 10% is massive because although it's only 10%, it can spiral people in different directions. So, you know, I do think that I do think that is in like actual leaders within the system, we can have an, an enormous impact. You know, I do this activity where I do a happiness timeline and I have people start at the beginning of the career and draw a line that represents and, and it, every single time it's peaks and valleys yep. every single time. Sometimes it like it, it, I remember doing it once with like um, with administrators in the room and man, th those peaks and valleys looked like really like they, they didn't, they weren't as deep, right? Cause <laughs> no one wants to draw a big, like looping, like mark at the bottom. It, it was a very interesting when you, when you do it at a conference and, and they're being fully honest, when you sit in and listen to them talk about their peaks and their valleys, you hear their administrators come in every time. Yep. So they say like, oh, I had the most amazing administrator or I had the most amazing staff. And it was like the most, it was so awesome. Or you hear like, you know, I just didn't feel valued. I just didn't, I felt micromanager, whatever, whatever the issue was. And, and you can see it in the power of the leadership. So when I think about going into leadership, I think that's why I would want to go in because I really think our, our leaders within the system play a massive role in terms of, you know, teacher happiness, teacher retention, yep. teacher performance. Um, and, you know, but I also do think like, even if it's not there, I think we have the ability to, you know, make add routines and, and, and perspectives in our lives that not only help us in education, but help us in all aspects of our life. Yeah. And you said it earlier, like if we're in a place where we are not happy, then we need to change something. And that might be that you're changing your environment. It may mean that you need to go to a different grade level or a different school or a different district. I mean, it depends on what your situation is. And I think everything is on the table to, to make sure that you're finding fulfillment 
in whatever role you are, or maybe it's you're bored or you need to be challenged and you need to move up. <laughs> I mean, there's a, yeah. lot of, a lot of things that could happen to, to make sure that people are, are finding their spot in education. Yeah, I had a crazy story. The first time I ever did a keynote, I didn't even know what was going on. Like, I didn't even know people got paid to speak. And <laughs> they fly me out to this rural board. And it was kind of crazy. Like, and I'm an elementary, like kind of guy. And so this was all secondary. And I had no idea. Like, I didn't ask any questions. I, I, I was just I was wondering what I was gonna have to pay to do this. Because <laughs> I just got I, I was like, Oh, my God, I got this huge audience. I guess so I speak. And I, I asked if I could run a breakout session. It was the most interesting thing that I've had happen. And I did this activity called the democracy where they put dots. I, so I put like, what do you love most about teaching around the thing? So I put things like, you know, working with coworkers, extracurriculars, marking, no one ever puts anything on that um, salary. And, and so I wrote all the aspects of teaching I could think about them 30 dots and said, when you first started teaching, where'd you put, where, what brought you the most joy? They do it. And I'm looking at them and I was okay. And I, I have no idea if this activity is going to work at this time. Sure. I'm like, I just want to try it. So I said, now I'll give you 30 dots that are blue and I want you to put them on what brings you the most joy now. And so as I'm analyzing them, like it made me proud of this profession because anything that involved caring for other people like that had the most dots. So I was super jacked about that. But the only major, major discrepancy I could see was that planning great lessons had a ton of red dots, like say 80 red dots, and then went down to like 10. It was the only one that really massively dropped. So I say like, why is that guys? Like why planning those lessons? Why, what, what do you think happened? And this guy like lets up this roar in the back, like, and I'm like, oh, lucky I'm a big guy. Cause I was out <laughs> like, I was like, what's going on. And so I was like, how do, what do I do? I've never been in this situation in adult learning. So I, I say, are you all right, man? Like what's going on back there? And he's like, he's like, I'm so angry right now. And I said, why? And he said, and I put a lot of my red dots on planning great lessons. I said, yeah, okay. And he's like, and I put none, no blue dots on it. Mm. And then I said, so why are you so upset? And he's like, because I just realized that I've walked around for the last five years complaining about like how bored I am and how bad education is and da, 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 da. And he says, I just realized I did it to myself. Mm. And then it was an interesting thing. Like about two months after that, I get this random email from this guy and he writes to me. He's like, Hey Rob, I just want you to know, I went back threw out all my binders and started from scratch. And he says, it's the happiest I've ever been in education. Nice. And it's, it's interesting. It's like that whole thing we talked about is like reflection. Like he, he just, now he realized like he never stopped to think like, why am I not liking this anymore? And, and I, I did something similar where I was kind of teaching the same thing and then mixing it up and, you know, it takes time and energy, but he was just so grateful and so happy that he came to that understanding, but it's about the willingness to change, right? If you're, if if you're, if you're, you know, I love that phrase, listen to your life. Like if your life's telling you you're bored or your life's telling you you're frustrated, then what are you going to do about it? Like, you you know, and you just, you got to start creating a plan. And I find like when I get frustrated, the creating the plan gives me hope. It gives me optimism that it's going to change. Right. For sure. But I, I think sometimes it's just the, the, the valley is going to be a valley. Like we're coming out of a global pandemic. Seriously. It's, it's some tough stuff right now. Right. Yeah. And, you know, time. and, but if I find if you fight it and fight it and fight it, you know, it gets really tiring. But if you just understand that we're in a valley right now, what can, what, what small changes could we make to start getting 
out of this valley. I think it, uh, I think that's the way to, and just know that it's normal and other people are going through it. And if we surround ourselves with the right people, teach better and everyone like that, it's, it's what helps you get through it. So you mentioned your book a little bit. I'd love to have a chance for you just to give a quick synopsis. So strive for happiness in education. What's the book all about? Yeah, so STRIVE is actually an acronym. It stands for Student, Team, Routines, Innovate, Viability, and Extraordinary. And so when I was writing the book, I was like, I had this huge whiteboard. You can't see it in front of me, but I had like tons of ideas. And I was I was trying to articulate. And one day I was like, that's like my only ever beautiful mind. What's that beautiful mind movie <laughs> yeah, where beautiful I was like, mind, yeah. yeah, and I saw all these like letters flowing. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And I knew I wanted the book to start with S because of students. And then from there, I ended up coming up with this book, Strive. And the acronym helped me like framework of like, where are the different areas that I've seen teachers experience success? One of the most interesting parts about the structure of the book, though, is I called my print, I called my publisher up and I said, Sarah, like the R, like, so each chapter was like 25 pages or something. And then I said, well, when I got to routines, I said, I, I, I can't make it 25 pages. And she's like, what do you mean? And she's like, I said, there's just too, it's too important. And she's like, well, there's your answer, Rob. She's like, it doesn't have to be 25 pages. Cause I, that's the way I think sometimes. And so the, the middle part on routines is because I wanted to make it very actionable. So the middle pages are like over a hundred pages. And when I, when I look back, what I'm most appreciative about the writing the book was to savor it and slow it down a little instead of just rush through it. So when I wrote that chapter, um, each part of that, so say it was on mindfulness and gratitude, I would live that out and for as long as it would take till I felt comfortable to write it. So every podcast, every conversation, every article I could read, every book I could get, and I would just take this all in. And then I'd get to the point where I'd be like, yeah, I think, I think I got some understanding here. And then I'd write that chapter. And that's why my books took, took like four years to write. Cause then I'd go on to the next one. And I'd be like, Oh, I'm going to go into like kindness. And I would learn everything I could about kindness taking as much input, create all these notes. And then when I felt confident, I would write it. So yeah, so I, I wanted a book that hit up, hit on some bigger ideas, like the peaks and valleys and, and, and that stuff, but also, Hey, how do I just walk out of here and and make those little micro changes in my life that, and the idea behind the book is how do you build that into the classroom? So I think we're so busy a lot of the time that, it's, it's hard, but if we can build into what we're doing each day, like say you're making gratitude a mainstay of your classroom, then by teaching it, I, I ran into this concept of mutual care. So we always think of a self-care. Mutual care is where you're taking care of other people while at the same time getting that benefit, right? So bring And so there's a ton of ideas on not just how do we do it in our own lives, but how do we bring this to our students? Because they're going to need all these strategies too, right? So yeah, yeah, so I'm super proud of it. And the last chapter I think is awesome because it's on extraordinary. And I think like that's when when we're trying to be extraordinary and be the best versions of ourselves. And so it's really short. It just says, basically, I can't tell you how to do this. Just use your (laughs) skills. So it's the easiest one to write. (laughs) That's wonderful. Definitely check out the book, Strive for Happiness and Education. And that's through EduMatch and Sarah Thomas. She's she's fantastic. And um, the best. yeah, she's the best. So I want to talk about another project, Robert. So MotivatedU.com, you've got a wellness program. So tell us a little bit about that website and, and what you're offering. You know, I, it's just something I was talking to this lady. She's a psychologist for a board and they bought like a whole whack of books. And she asked a very good question. She's like, well, like, you know, 
how do you how do you think you maintain it? Like I love when Simon Sinek says it's not about intensity, it's about consistency, right? So coming out and doing one talk, like yeah, people will like it and everyone will feel good when they leave, but like how do you embed it in? So I was talking to her and she says, like, well, why don't we put our heads together and make like like a wellness program that's highly engaging? So and I love like, cause I'm a techie. I like Photoshop. I like, I like keynote on the Mac. And so I was like, yeah, I'll take on this challenge. So I just wanted to make like bite-sized videos that people could show in staff meetings and then do like basically three or four a month. So there would be an intro theme to the month, like say it'd be gratitude. And then there'd be three different ideas that you could show in a staff meeting, have a conversation with. But again, those ideas are like, there's the idea. And here's how it can benefit you, but here's how you can use it with your students. Right. And so I just, I've been working on that. And but my favorite part of my, like the website I created was, I was like, I have this thing about positive media. I got really sucked in at one time. I was like, when I was really upset at one point, I was watching cops like five hours a day. Like it was, <laughs> don't do that. It gets you no. to a bad spot. <laughs> yeah. I was just, I was just indulging in so much negative, just news and things like that. Sure. And so I went on this, like the opposite. And I was like, I just got to like clean out my, like go on like a media diet. Mm-hmm. And so there's one part of my website. It, I can't remember what it's called, but like, it's like, I have like inspiring books, inspiring videos. And I literally comb like if you go into that inspire as an educator if you go into that area there's about 50 videos that will make you cry (laughs) and so (laughs) and it's i just think it's about like what are we putting into our systems that you know we have a rough day what are we doing at the end so i'm just trying to pull together things like that or if someone wants other like a great book to read you know what i'll uh, i'll throw your podcast on there i just you know great things that inspire educators because sometimes you know these things it can be hard to find. We don't have yeah. the time to, to go looking for them. So sure. I was collating them for myself. And so then I just was like, well, might as well open it up in a website. And so, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty proud of it. That's awesome. Well, I know a lot of people can probably benefit from all those different resources and videos. And if you need a good cry, you now know where to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get some Kleenex, <laughs> man. It's, it's, it's tough in there. Now I'm interested. I'm going to have to jump on and, and watch the videos. Robert, I want, to, I want to ask you a question that I ask all my guests here. So for aspiring leaders and current leaders, if they can do something tomorrow to enhance their leadership journey, what would you advise them to do? I think it's just be open to change and, and just care about people would be the two biggest things. And I think I think that one sometimes is like I, I changed my practice at one point from like sitting down and, and like they would book me to do whatever and just going right into it to saying, what is it you need? And I found like, and they would sit down and they would tell me something small they were struggling with or whatever. And I would solve it for them. And it just like, just, just that like caringness of like wanting to, you know, take care of them first. And then, then we can get to what I think sometimes with in leadership, it's easy to go right to what our goals are, what our intentions are when we go there. Um, but for me, I, I learned through this job, it's like, let's start with the person in front of us help them out. And it's, it's, it's very interesting when you look at kindness research that, you know, an act of kindness, like something small like that has 
a huge impact on that person in terms of their serotonin. So that's like the most acute um, way to get the, your happiness up. But it also has that exact same effect on the person who did it. It even has that effect on the people that see it happen. It's, it's contagious. So I just think, you know, caring and loving people, I think would be the number one thing that, that you're serving. And always remember that, that you're serving people. Your, your, your job's to make everyone better. And so put their goals as the forefront of what your yours are is just to make people like like happier and better and i think good things come from that so that's what i learned about it but i'm still on a journey man i got a long way to go <laughs> aren't we all hey your shirt's giving me happiness right now though uh, when you write a book on happiness people buy you all sorts of shirts <laughs> that say happiness this one says i choose to broadcast happiness i, I don't know if you saw my shirt at the conference i had my favorite shirt on it says uh, happiness is my fuel yeah and, and I, and I totally, for me, like I'm a high, I'm a pretty energetic guy. And, and I think I get a lot of that because I, I put a lot of effort into finding happiness in what I do every day. Yeah. I definitely gravitated toward you. I mean, obviously you're a big guy, but you also <laughs> bring joy just in your personality and in conversations. And I was actually thinking about your book. You said uh, earlier that it took you four years and I think it's because you were living it, right? I mean, similar to some of the other authors you were yeah. talking about. So 100%. yeah, I love your journey. I love, you know, the, the peaks and valleys that you were able to share and your vulnerability. So Robert, I, I just absolutely loved meeting you in person, having a chance to hang out with you at Teach Better 22, and then feel honored to have the opportunity to have you on as a guest on Aspire to Lead. Oh yeah, man. I was super excited to talk to you again, uh, even without the podcast. I, I did that conversation we had, man. And I, and I do, I looked at a lot of people who were having like a lot of impact on a lot of people in that podcast row. And I know you're a big piece of that. And, and you brought a, you brought a lot of like influence to that conference. So yeah, thanks for that. I spent a, quite a bit of time in podcast row actually. I just, <laughs> and I wasn't even doing podcasts. I just found it a really cool spot to hang out. And so thanks for setting that up. Oh, I appreciate that. And yeah, that was kind of my, my safe haven. I, I love that venue, but then also we kind of were tucked away too in this like beautiful space. So great to have conversations. Then of course, uh, record in that space so yeah it was awesome to have you there and i'm so glad that you were able to join some podcasts too at teach better podcast network and yeah i'm looking forward to just seeing where you go and i can't wait to get my hands on strive for happiness and education all right man yeah thanks for having me it's such a pleasure